Psalm 37 and verse 4, a great verse of scripture. It tells us what to do in our daily walk with God, in our daily lives in Him. In Psalm 37 verse 4, he says, Delight yourselves in the Lord. Delight yourselves in the Lord. In other words, be delighted about being in the Word. Be delighted about being in church. Just be delighted in a general way, in all of your ways, in the Lord. That means that in God, when you're delighting yourself in Him, there's going to be an evidence of fruit in our lives. Of course, one of the greatest fruit of the Spirit is love. But also, there's another fruit of the Spirit called joy. And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So he says here, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Think about that. While you're delighting yourself in the Lord, there is an exchange then that can begin to take place. He'll put some things in your heart. He'll begin to show you things about your future, maybe show you things about your business. He will give you the desires of your heart. That's way out beyond him just meeting your needs. Amen. That's in addition to that. It is he will put things in your heart to do for the advancement of the kingdom and for every area of life. So I want to encourage you this holiday season to get delighted and stay delighted and look to the Lord for direction. Amen. You know, sometimes in looking to the Lord for direction, we get some correction. But how many of you know it's good? You know, if we need to be corrected, it's a good thing because it always produces the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Amen? Amen. And uh, so in the area of giving, we should be delighted to be sowing our seeds this morning. Amen? Amen. Uh, my dad uh, and mom were, uh, grew up in the uh, Minnesota area and in the Wisconsin area. And uh, I was born in 1950. And uh, my dad uh, was part of uh, the Navy. He was in Pearl Harbor. Not when Pearl Harbor was bombed, but after Pearl Harbor, the bombing took place over there. And he was an ensign in the Navy. And recently, in recent years, I ran across his little Gideon Bible. And it's real precious to me uh, because, you know, when when I grew up, I grew up uh, in some turmoil myself. My family was a good family. My dad converted to Catholicism when I think I was about 10 years old. And he was, was what you would call a very reverent Catholic. He'd go to Mass just about every day. And, uh, of course, you know, you can only walk in the light that you have. And, uh, you know, he had a certain degree of light. He's got a whole lot more light right now. Because he's in heaven. He's in glory. But this is really, really precious to me. Uh, this was presented to Ensign John Thomas. That was his name. From uh, Reverend and Mrs., uh, it looks like Bushendorf, from Cumberland, Wisconsin. Uh, He was the Methodist pastor there, and this was presented to him on August 12th, 1944. And of course, you know, uh, Pearl Harbor was bombed in December of 1941. Remember that. And uh, so my dad uh, was married, and and then uh, he... uh, Signed this at the back, and it just is real precious to me. It says, Receiving Christ as Savior. 
And he says, confessing to God that I am a sinner and believing that the Lord Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross and was raised for my justification, I do now receive and confess him as my personal Savior. This was the 13th of June, 1945, Pearl Harbor, and then he signed it, Ensign John L. Thomas. And so that's real, real precious to me. This is a, a real keepsake. And, you know, my dad worked hard his whole life. And, you know, my mother was a, was a house mom. And how many of you moms know that back in the day, you know, in the 50s and the 60s, a lot of women didn't work, but they worked. I mean, when you got three boys and one girl, you're working. And, uh, you know, you're cooking and you're cleaning and all that goes along uh, with having a family. And so, you know, my dad passed away about 15 years ago and my mom passed away December 11th, 2011. And uh, she was 96 years old. Amen. I got good genes. I got good genes in Christ as well. And so do you. But, uh, you know, they were able to, to leave Brenda and I some, some money as part of an inheritance. And so this morning we're going to give a legacy offering in honor of my mom and dad. And uh, we're going to present that to the Lord, and we're going to put this into the heart for the house offering. And uh, I just want to encourage you as well to sow your very best seed this month. Um, We're believing God. Amen? Amen. We're believing God for our covenant that we have made with ECCU to be satisfied. And so, you know, whatever he puts in your heart, you do it. There's not ever any pressure here, but we believe God and we believe him big. Amen? Amen? So lift your right hand with me and say, my God liberally supplies and he fills to the full our every need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for giving me seed to sow today in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me just kind of uh, take a look here at where we're at. Uh, we set the goal of about 166,000, and so far 30s come in. Amen. Praise the Lord. And after our gift, that'll be higher. And after your gifts, it'll be higher. And every need will be met. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the ushers are going to come, and they're going to wait on you. Those of you need an envelope for your giving, uh, please raise your hands. And Brenda and I are going to pray over the offering today as we present a portion of our offering to Him in this first service. God's good to us, isn't he? He is absolutely awesome. Amen. Pastor Tom. And I'm going to be looking at God's Word translation this morning. And uh, I don't know whether we're able to download it yet or not. But if you will look in verse 4 of John 15, you will see something here that is very, very important to us. Uh, We started last week by asking a question, where do you live? And we found out that, you know, you could live in Hawaii and have all the money in the world and yachts and jets and everything to eat that you wanted to eat and still be miserable on the inside. Because life life does not really consist of the outside. Life in God consists of the inside. Amen? And as we walk with Him, praise God, our outside can be great as well. And then on the other hand, you know, you could live in Siberia and and uh, just not have any money and be cold. And yet on the inside, you have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Well, Jesus told us where to live. Notice with me in God's word translation, he says, live in me and I will live in you. 
A branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine in the same way you cannot produce fruit unless you abide in me. This is the time, this is the hour for us to be abiding, dwelling, and living in him like we never have before. The Bible says that if we will draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Dwell in him. From Hebrews chapter 10, 22, the Bible says that you and I have the privilege of drawing near with a true heart. Full of assurance and full of faith. Because in fact, our hearts have been sprinkled from, an, from, from evil and from bad things by pure water and by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, God looks at you and he looks at me as if sin never existed before. And so as you go down this path and endeavoring in your heart to dwell in him and to live in him, always remember that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ justified you cleanses you and makes you worthy to stand in his presence. You do not have to back off from him because him loves you. You do not have to cower back in fear, but rather because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I can draw near. Amen. Now look at Hebrews chapter 10 with me. And I want to notice this in verses 19 through 21 in the message translation. It says, so friends, we can now, without hesitation, we can walk right up to God. How many of you remember when your kids would just walk right up to your refrigerator? Or they'd walk right up to you wanting the keys. Or walk right up to you wanting some money. Well, the Bible says that because we've been cleansed by the blood, without hesitation, walk right up to God. With, into the holy place. For Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our high priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, to exercise your right of access. What a privilege it is to have divine fellowship with him. We have been given a holy invitation to a glorious visitation. Amen. Amen. You can, you must live and abide and dwell in him. Now looking at Psalm 16 and verse 11, we see the path here that God has ordained for you and I to walk in. Psalm 1611 says, um, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence. Everyone say presence. Presence. See, when you dwell in him, you're going to experience his presence. And there are answers for you in the presence of God. There's strength for you in the presence of God. There's joy for you in the presence of the Lord. And he says, I will show you the path of life. For in my presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Amen. And so there is a path 
that God has preordained from before the foundation of the world that you and I are to walk in. And the path is his presence. In him we live and move and have our being. We cannot live without him. We cannot do anything without him. So why even try? All the times we've tried through our reasoning, through our education, and through our intellect, most of the time we have failed. That's why he says to us, trust in me, acknowledge in me, and I will direct your paths. God is directing our paths right into his presence. His path is filled with the presence of the Lord. Oh, there's nothing like walking in the spirit and walking with him. Having his approval on you. Having his presence attend your way. Not only will it make, well, not only will his presence lead you into right paths, but his presence will strengthen you. His presence will quicken you. When everybody on the outside and on your right and on your left seems to be going down because you're walking in the presence of the Lord, your future's bright and God is working in your life. Now let's look at back to John 15 again in God's Word translation. Verse 5 of John chapter 15. Say it with me, the path is His presence. Thank God for the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. In John 15, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit. But you can't produce anything, of course, without me. Verse 6. Whosoever doesn't live in me is thrown away as a branch and dries up. Branches like this are gathered and thrown into the fire and they're burned. But if you live in me, or if you abide in me, and my word abides or lives in you, then ask for anything you want and what will happen? It will be yours. So here is this glorious invitation to fellowship. And God says, look, I want to sup with you. I want to impart some things to you. I want to put what's on the inside of me on the inside of you. And I'm inviting you to come to my word and to come into my presence. And if you do, and if you will, will it will be well with you. Amen. Now notice with me, last week, uh, we talked about what our part is. I mean, how do we abide in Him? It's one thing for us to talk about it. It's another thing to give you some steps so that you can actually do it. Well, last week we discussed this, and it lines up with verse 7. If you abide in me and my word abides in you. First of all, we abide in Him by living in the Word of God. Amen? And not just, you know, reading a chapter and not just a Sunday to Sunday proposition. But I like what Jesus said, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God has got a word for your everyday situation. God has got a word that will turn your situation around. God's got information and revelation for you that will help you daily. Amen. And it ought to cause you to rejoice. 
It's like Jeremiah, he said, he said, thy words were found. You see, the word of God is to be discovered. It is to be found. It is to be meditated upon. His words were found. And Jeremiah said, I ate them. And they were unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. See, God has set before you a table in the presence of your enemies. And on this table is a several course meal. On God's table are several things that Brenda's going to talk about tonight when she preaches a dynamic message called come and dine. But that's exactly what the Lord is inviting us to do. He's inviting us to sup with him. He's inviting us to partake of his goodness and to partake of his word. Somebody say amen. amen. And so that's our, that is our part, one side of it, in maintaining that union and maintaining that communion with him. When I do that, and when you do that, we are connected with him. We talked last week about your bank account and your heart account. If you will spend copious amounts of time putting his word into your heart account in abundance, it'll be there for you. It'll be ready for you in whatever you face in life. Amen? Now, the problem is, is there's too many weak and emaciated Christians. They're living on stale manna. They're living on borrowed revelation. And they're trying to function and operate on someone else's faith or someone else's inspiration. Why don't you just get inspired for yourself? Why don't you just develop your God kind of faith that God has given you? And in the midnight hour, you won't have to call up Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Jesse Duplantis, Pastor Mark Thomas. No, you call on the Lord. Hallelujah. You call unto him and he will answer you. And he will do for you what you could never do for yourself. I'm telling you, this word will change your life. And it definitely is necessary food for you and me. Now let's move on. Verse 9. Through verse 12, back to God's words translation. He said, I have loved you the same way the Father has loved me. So live in my love. Where have you been living? You've been living in strife? You've been living in unforgiveness? No, God says, live in my love. Live in my love. And so this is the second way then that we abide in him and dwell in him is by living in this God kind of love. This love that has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. This love that enables us to forgive when we've been wronged. This love, this God kind of love never fails. And it will absolutely remove all bitterness from your spirit. When a person walks in the God kind and the God quality of love, they're not easily offended. Amen? Now notice he says... Live in my love. Verse 10. If you obey my commandments, you will live in my love. I have obeyed my father's commandments. And in that way, I live in his love. I have told you this so that you may be as joyful as I am and that your joy might be complete. Love each other. Love each other as I have loved you. How has Christ loved you? He loves you unconditionally. God loves us with an everlasting love. Christ loves us. And you know what? 
He doesn't take account of the evil that we've done if we confess it before the Father. The other thing that love, God's love, does for us, not only does it never fail, but the love of God always believes the best of every person. Did you know that God believes the best of you? Even though up to now your track record hasn't been all that great? God not only believes the best, but he sees the best. He's already spoken the best over us. Amen? And so he sees the end from the beginning. He sees the finished product. He sees you complete in Christ. He sees the work that he has begun in you being perfected and being performed until he comes. He believes the best of every person. Now, because we're in him and he is in us and we're living in him and he is living in us, then it is our responsibility to believe the best of one another. Even though we might know different. It takes faith to believe the best to some people. Believe the best and just leave the rest with him. And let him take care of it. Amen? Love believes the best of every person. Love doesn't gossip. Love does not lend itself to strife. Love is not easily offended. Love is patient, endures long. Love is kind. This love, this God kind of love that we are exhorted by the Lord to live in and to dwell in doesn't take account of the evil done to it. This God kind of love pays no attention to a suffered wrong. This God kind of love does not rejoice in injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevails. God's love, this love in you never fails. And so I am seeing my brothers and my sisters through eyes of faith. Because I have learned to see myself that way. I have learned to see myself the way that God sees me, in spite of my track record. Amen. That's a joke. I say that's a joke, son. I say that's a joke. (laughs) Maybe you should have brought the caffeine just up just a little notch. (laughs) Who is that cartoon character? I say that's a joke, son. I say that's a (laughs) joke. Huh? Foghorn. Foghorn. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I've learned to believe the best of myself. Because myself is no longer what myself was. I'm no longer myself. I'm now in him and he's in me. I'm now a new creation in Christ. I'm not what I used to be. Now, not everything I'm going to be, but I'm on my way. I said I'm on my way. And so are you. So then I have learned to believe the best of myself when I mess up, when I miss it, when I act like a stinker, I've learned to go to the blood and get my forgiveness and get my fellowship back. Glory to God. And then go down that road of repentance. Amen. And live in him. So believe the best of your brothers and sisters, but you'll never believe the best of your brothers and sisters until you believe the best of yourself. 
And if you try to believe the best of yourself according to psychology and all the other ologies out there, you'll never get it. The way that you believe the best of yourself is go to the Word and look into the perfect law of liberty. And that perfect law of liberty, glory to God, will set you free. Brother Hagin did a course um, back at Ramah years ago. Now, we missed that course. The Emeralds may have gotten it. I don't know. But he uh, used to teach on how to train the human spirit. Of course, he's got a book on that. But, and how to be led by the Spirit. So he's called it Spiritology. Mm-hmm. I like that, don't you? Yeah. We are a spirit. We have a soul. And we live in a physical body. But the most important part of man is not his body. Most Christians are body ruled. That's what makes carnal Christians. That's what makes Christians stinkers sometimes. Living in the flesh. But we are not a body. We are created in the image and likeness of God. We are spirit beings. Whoo, glory. I felt something on that. We are spirit beings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Created in the God class. Isn't that awesome? We are created in the God class. We're not lower class or middle class or high class. That's all natural. We're God class. We are a new species that has never existed before. Glory to God. Amen. And so it is so important and so vital to develop this inner man, to cultivate this spirit man. Now, Jesus said something, and we're going to digress uh, from uh, where we were going. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew, uh, and let's look at chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. There just seems like there's an unction to stay with us for a moment. Amen? Amen. Let's follow the unction. Hallelujah. Love believes the best. See, you can't love your neighbor unless you love yourself. And you can never love yourself unless you have a revelation of how much God loves you. Now, in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, I want us to notice some commandments that uh, Jesus has made very easy to us. So the second uh, step, if you will, or the second principle we're looking at by abiding in him is let's live in this love. Now, when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And I'm going to keep reading, so just keep moving right on through verse 40. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and said, Did Jesus face temptations? Yes. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Now notice the next verse. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with what? In other words, God's saying to us, I want you to dwell in me. Live in me. Love me with everything you've got. That's right. And then go on to verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. Verse 39. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor or your nearby as yourself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, pastor, you're talking about the law. Well, wait just a moment before you get lippy on me today. The Bible says that love is the fulfilling of the law. And love works no ill to his neighbor. 
Amen? Amen. So if love works no ill to his neighbor, love speaks no will about his neighbor. Okay? On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, something's hanging. He says, love me with all your heart, with all of your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. And by the way, this is not a suggestion. This is something that we are commanded to do. Look at John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. John 13, verse 34 and 35. Say it with me. I'm living my life in the love of God. Living in love and walking in love will make you irresistible. People will want to be around you. The discouraged will want to be around you because they want to be encouraged. The depressed will want to be around you because they want to be lifted up. How many of you know the world is looking for you to tell them something? They've tried everything. You know, they've tried all the, the music of the world to get peace. They drank all the liquor in the world to get peace. Some of them have snorted all the cocaine and smoked all the marijuana to get peace. But they've come to a dead end. But you see, you're the light of the world. And when you're walking in Him and living in Him, it makes you irresistible. You see, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, He said, I'm going to draw all men unto you. He didn't say just men from Christianity. He said, if you lift me up in your life, if you live in me and I live in you, if you walk in this God kind of life, this God kind of love, People will be drawn to you because you have the answer for their depression. You have the answer for their on their way to hell road. You have the answer for their cancer. You have the answer. Do we have the answer? You better believe we got the answer. I got 66 books full of answers. Exceeding great and precious promises. So we're living in a day where a lot of people are going to come to the end of themselves. Well, that ain't a bad thing. Because when people come to the end of themselves, they can begin a new life in Him. Woo, glory to God. And you have the answer for them. Hallelujah. That is so awesome to me. So awesome. In John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. So keeping this love command, living in His love, Shows others that you're a disciple of Christ. Verse 34 and 35. Would you read with me please? A new commandment I give unto you. That you love one another. As I have loved you. That you also love one another. Now look at with me in verse uh, 34. Of John chapter 13. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. Verse 35 rather. Excuse me. By this... Shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another? Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say just Christians are going to know. But everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to know. In the covenant and outside the covenant. By this shall all men know that you are truly the real thing. That you are truly a disciple of Jesus Christ. If, now here's the condition, if you love one another. 
Now notice this. He didn't say, by you wearing nice clothes, shall all men know that you're a disciple of the Lord. I'm going to preach to this crowd right over here. Did he? He didn't say that. Did he? I'm looking for a response. (laughs) Hey, faith calls those things that be not as though they were. Oh, pastor going to done seeing things again. You bet I have. I'm seeing by the eye of faith. I'm talking by the voice of faith. I believe I receive a full house. (laughs) Woo, glory. Amen. I call every chair full before it's all over with. Before the trumpet sounds, I'm calling every chair full people lined up. Not because of an eloquent pastor or pastors, but because of a great big God. Full of glory, full of might, full of strength, full of answers. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't say buy your new clothes. Buy your nice suits, buy your nice dresses. I believe we ought to look good. Amen. I don't buy into old line holiness that says you can't wear makeup. Do you? I I don't buy into old line holiness that says the women got to wear their dress, you know, just all the way down to the bottom of their shoe. On the other hand, you ought not be wearing it up here, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) You got to get balanced up in here. <laughs> Glory. Amen. I, I, you know, holiness as it has been defined according to old line Pentecostals is erroneous. You know, hey, makeup's all right. If you need. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess you got to qualify everything. These days. You know, but if you need a little Max Factor, get a little Max Factor. You know what I'm saying? How about a little Maybelline, you know? Hey, do whatever you got to do. Amen. But he didn't say by the fact that you, you're all dolled up or you don't wear makeup or you, you know, he didn't say that. He didn't say that... Uh, the world is going to know that we're his disciples because we have a lot of money. Because, in fact, a lot of people in the world got more money than we do. Now, that's subject to change. Because the wealth of the sinner, in fact, is laid up for the just. And you and I are the just. But it didn't say because of your money. You know, some of the nastiest people in the world got money. And they won't give you the time of day. Why? Because they're all that. Right? They're all that and they don't need you. Well, they may not need you now. But they keep going down that path long enough. They're going to need someone that's been living in him. And that's vitally connected to the vine. Because some of them are going to come to the end of themselves. And when they do, we're here. By this. By this. By this. By what, Pastor? By this. By this shall all men know. That you are my disciples. Now notice, 
it starts by, in our individual lives and in the local church, by having love one to another. Amen? Amen. Having love one to another. Now, when we have love one for another, we have Him on the scene. Because He is love. And when we're living in love, we're living in Him. And so when we love one another as Christ has loved us, when that becomes the preeminent thing in our lives and in the local church, watch out. Because the presence of the Almighty will be there all the time. Love is the manifest presence of love himself. But if we allow ourselves to get tripped up by little nickel and dime things, if we allow ourselves to, to get tripped up and judgmental and critical, guess what happens? The love level is not where it should be. I believe this, that we ought to be purposing in our hearts that we're going to walk in a greater degree of love than we ever have before. And when we do, we will have a greater degree of glory than we ever had before. You cannot have the glory of God and God manifesting himself, love manifesting himself when Christians are in strife. Are you listening? If there's strife in your home, get it out. Talk about it. Go to a counselor. Do whatever you got to do, but run that devil out of your home. Amen. Yeah. Because if you give that rat an inch, he will take a mile. And that's why Paul told the church at Ephesus, he said, neither give place to the devil. See, the devil manifests in several forms, not just in, in fear and in depression and doubt and unbelief. He'll manifest in the form of strife. He'll want to get you out of sorts with one another because he is after your anointing. He wants to stop you from your increase. He wants to stop revelation from coming to you. And so he tries to trip us up with all these little nickel and dime. You see, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. These little nickel and dime idiosyncrasies and critical attitudes and judgmental things so that he can stop the work that God has started. Well, listen, if the work that God has started has been stopped in your life, let's get it unstopped. Are you listening today? Let's get this unstopped. Let's purge it by the blood. Let's purge it by forgiveness. And let's get on with his project in our lives, which is to be created in his image and predestined to be conformed into every area of our lives to his dear son. So by this shall all men know that you and I are his disciples. If we have love one to another. Thank you, Lord. I'm praising God. You see, there's a lot that's hanging on your love walk. He said, the whole law hangs on 
keeping this commandment. Your healing hangs on this rod of love. Your baby's being born again hangs on this rod of love. Faith will not work in an atmosphere of strife. But faith works by love. Amen. Turn to me in closing to Ephesians 3. Man, we're just getting good utterance this morning. Thank you, Lord. Ooh, glory to God. Let's just lift our hands and thank Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so then as Christian, God wants you and me to experience Him by cultivating our love for Him and for others. We grow stronger on the inside when we anchor ourselves in His love, which is unconditional. Amen? To know love is to know God because God is love. Say it with me. God God. wants me to experience experience. His love, love. not just know about it, but to experience it. So I'm encouraging this morning to buy up the opportunities to develop your love walk. And here's what will happen. You will increase in the richness of His divine presence. I believe the Spirit of God is saying to us this morning, get rich in God. Get rich in love. And you will be rich in His presence. Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 16 through 19 in the Amplified Version. And we're getting ready to receive communion. Amen? Amen. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Of course, Ephesians chapter 16, Paul is praying that he would grant us out of the rich treasure of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Spirit himself indwelling our innermost being and personality. Verse 17. He prays that Christ may actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Verse 18, may you have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth and length and height and depth of that love? Verse 19, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Now here it is. That you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, and may you have the richest measure of His divine presence and become a body wholly flooded and filled with love himself. When you live in love, you will live in his presence. Rich in the divine presence of God. And the rich measure of this divine love that he's deposited on the inside of you, it'll elevate you. Not only will it make you irresistible and cause men to be drawn unto you, but it will lift you above the pressures in this world. Amen? Did you get anything out of it today?